Hello, beautiful people. Thank you for clicking on this episode and joining us here at the Melanated Intellects Podcast. My name is Patrice. And my name is Shayla. We are here to talk about everyday melanated topics while bringing a distinct intellectual perspective. Thanks so much for joining. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you for clicking on this episode. And um, we're pretty pumped about this episode. Um, It's something we've been talking about for a while. I feel like I say that like the last several ones, but it's true. You know, we (laughs) on our break and even last season, there was so much that we wanted to talk about and um, we decided to just move it to season two. So it's true. Um, imposter syndrome is what we're going to be speaking about today. And it's really quite a trending topic. I see a lot um, on social media, Instagram, and um, TikTok apparently as well. So it's it's a trending mm-hmm. topic. It's a thing. I'm glad it's getting some, um, you know, popularity, I guess, as far mm-hmm. as just people knowing what it is. But it's been around for a while. And we'll talk about that Um So what is imposter syndrome? Um, And as always, you know, we'll put our resources and things like that in our description. Uh, What I'm about to quote is a very well-mined article. And this is pretty recent. This is as of this year, February of 2021. And uh, essentially it, it describes this simply put, it is the experience of feeling like a phony. You feel as though um, at any moment you are going to be found out as a fraud. Like you don't belong where you are. Um, and self-doubt sometimes this can come up when someone has a new role a lot of the articles speak about particularly in the workplace Um, and they also a lot of the things that we're going to reference today speak about how anyone can experience it but it particularly shows up in marginalized groups like women or um, people of color or in our case women that are people of color um, you know in corporate and, and in spaces where they've been told indirectly or directly by society that they're not supposed to be there. Uh, We'll also include uh, a clip from Michelle Obama because she spoke, um, and forgive me because I don't know where she was speaking about this at, but they sort of asked her. Yeah, yeah, an interview, but they asked her this question and she admitted that she had experienced imposter syndrome and especially with all those roles that she had been in, but particularly as first lady, you know, she felt like, who am I really to be sitting at some of these tables? And then it took her some time to figure out, you know what, I think I'm exactly where I need to be. And this person next to me is the one that really shouldn't be here, but Mm -hmm. he or or she is confident that they should be here. So they don't question it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it really is a dynamic conversation. Um, And we'll get into it here, but Patrice um, is going to be open and honest on this episode about how she feels connected to this subject matter and how she feels it might show up for herself. So take it away, Patrice. Yeah, um, it's real. I feel like especially if you literally have been told it's one thing to be for it to be implied or to have the impression that Mm -hmm. you may not be good enough for it to be when you're when you've been told multiple times or even like. And I talked about this in natural hair, how comments about how I wore my hair or what I wore, things like that have came up for me in corporate in the past. Things like that. It's like those microaggressions can easily tear you down to feel like you're kind of an outcast or you're somewhere you don't belong. And with imposter syndrome, 
it's very easy you know anybody who's got goals and ambitions it is easy to get in your own head like you know you have to mm -hmm. you are working so hard to hit this goal and you are breaking down everything about how you're going about it including how you show up and it's very easy to doubt yourself in that same headspace um, it wasn't until recently that I truly understood the spirituality approach to that and how, um, you know, I, that self-talk does not get you anywhere. You know, I used to think that me being this critical kept me on my toes so no one could ever blindside me or no one could ever tell me something I didn't know about myself or I could be aware of what my what my ceiling was, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. And which is absolutely not okay, right? Uh, we don't have ceilings. Why are we putting them in places they probably didn't exist until we put them there? And if they did exist, fuck them. We could have we broke it down. But you, it's hard to yeah. break down your own damn ceiling that you put up. You know what I'm saying? It takes a lot longer. That energy could have been put towards actually trying to break down these these actual barriers that do stand against us, especially as minority minorities in corporate America. So, yeah, I resonate a lot with it. And I've seen it on a lot of levels, too. Um, you know, being in leadership to being an athlete at one point to just my friends and families and their goals and aspirations, even from like the in the artist world, you know, especially with being a creative you don't, it's hard. If so many people think you have to have some type of credentials, especially in today's world, to identify as something. Like, mm -hmm. even now on our second season, I still am not first to say I'm a podcaster like <laughs> or a content creator, <laughs> even though that's exactly what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I still struggle with that. People have to say, oh, yeah, your podcast. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, I. I, I do that. Yeah, you're right. I, I, do. I do. You're right. I do that. Like, <laughs> in the moment. <laughs> it's so weird. But you think of, like, these aspiring people, like the Michelle Obama's podcast, Jill Scott's podcast, India Ari's podcast, even, um, what's that dude? who's like the biggest podcast in the world. He's making like millions off an episode. I think it's like something Hogan, that, that buff guy, whatever his name is. Him. <laughs> I'm sure y'all know who I'm talking about because he goes viral for all the controversial reasons in the book. Um, you know, you think about these staples out there of people who are celebrities and who already have this insight. So for me, I, don't, I, I like struggle with that, even when it comes to something as small as my own podcast that we have been doing now for almost a year. Still struggle with it. Um, so, yeah, um, it's, it's real and it shows up and it's so toxic. It's so toxic, you know, um, but I do appreciate the conversation because I didn't even know what it was until maybe a couple months ago. Mm. I had no idea it was a thing. And this is what that is. Like putting that title on was like, oh my gosh, that's what that self-doubt is. That's what that, that's what it is. Um, mm. So yeah, um, it showed up in many different ways in my life. Um, I could go all day. <laughs> okay um similar to you i didn't i wasn't aware um that it had a name i mean i guess once mm -hmm. i started researching it and understanding it you know i think we all either have or know someone that have experienced it so it's not 
unknown is just may not have been known by this name um, I do want to share a little bit more information so some of the characteristics are definitely self-doubt which we touched on an inability to really realistically assess your competence and skills attributing to your success your, excuse me attributing your success to external factors um, mm -hmm. berating your performance fear that you won't live up to expectations overachieving and in some cases sabotaging your own success um, setting very challenging goals and feeling disappointed when you feel sh fell short um, mm -hmm. they say that really you know is not uncommon it's estimated that 70% of people will experience at least one episode or phenomenon in their lives and that, that was something that I learned as researching it is that it doesn't have to be your whole I mean for some people it is their way of life this is consistently a thing for them for mm -hmm. some people it just may show up in a moment or it just may show up you know at a, a particular time maybe every time you get a promotion it shows up etc mm -hmm. um they also talks about there's different types so perfectionist uh is one type never satisfied and just always feels that their work could be better tend to fixate on flaws instead of strengths uh, superhero is the next one because they feel inadequate they feel compelled to push themselves to work as hard as possible the expert uh, is the next one they say that these individuals are always trying to learn more and are never satisfied with their level of understanding even though they're often highly skilled or, or maybe the most the person that knows the most in a particular area when it comes to you know at work or in their group of friends Next is the natural genius. These individuals set excessively lofty goals for themselves and then feel crushed when they don't succeed. Mm -hmm. And then the last one, and there could be more, but this is just the one the article listed, the soloist, the people that tend to be very individualistic and prefer to work alone. Um, Self-work often stem from their productivity, so they often reject offers of assistance. They need to, um, or sometimes they often see asking help as a sign of uh, weakness or incompetence. And who's to say that a person can't have multiple of these? Um, yeah, I definitely something... feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so is there any is there any particular one of these or group of these that you feel that connects with you? All of the above. <laughs> oh, all of the above. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'm like, well, she's describing different ones. I thought this was a d definition <laughs> still. <laughs> they don't all apply to one. Is that just me? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, you know, it could be. You know, people could be <laughs> one or all or I don't know, some combination. Who knows? Well, yeah. glory. Okay. Um, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. I mean, th those were the types. Um you know, I guess, I guess Patrice is saying she feels, uh, you know, she feels like all of that, all of that's her. I, okay. So I will say that, uh, which is funny. I just uh, hung out with my cousin last night and I was explaining to him like, you know, I never have identified as a perfectionist. He was like, seriously, I could have told you that. And I had the same oh, conversation oh, with you. I and I was like, he said that oh. though. You didn't prepare me that he said that. He did. Oh, wow. He did. He did. I was like, oh, oh, you ain't even going. Oh, dang. You, you, you could have. Okay. I didn't know he said that. <laughs> I didn't know he said that. I could have told you that. I was like, oh. Oh. Well, I didn't know. Okay. Yeah, you were the um, last one I'm sorry. Oh, like, and I had the same conversation with audience with Shayla, and she did the same thing. She was like, yeah, you're. you're. <laughs> yeah, I was a little surprised you didn't know, but that, you know, I was like, okay, 
she didn't know. Now we do. That's okay. No clue. I, when I think of perfection, but then I could think that's the imposter syndrome, you know, to an extent, because I think of perfection mm-hmm. as of having it all together. And I, in my mind, always mm-hmm. have ways to improve. I'm always obsessing over ways to improve in everything. And I'm hypercritical of myself, which we have established, me and Shayla. Um, and so, yeah, I'm like, there's no way I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. I'm not, I don't have a right to be a perfectionist. You have to have a right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. He, I was so like, oh, hmm. ain't nobody gonna act shocked around here. It's just me. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know he shared that sentiment. He did sentiment. Me. No, I'm just kidding. That sentiment. Yeah, we was on the same page. No, I didn't know he shared uh, that. Uh, yeah. Okay, it, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, um, well, that's so okay because yeah. now we know and it has a title and like. You know, we know, and then we'll move on because it also talks about, like, you know, how you can overcome it, coping, and things of that nature. So, you know, that's cool. But it's more, I don't want to say it's more information out there about it now because maybe it was always out there. Um, Our research says 1970s. It was really kind of coined. So it's not new. So I I don't know. I'm a little like, why people ain't prepared the next generation for this? I don't know. You know, so what's interesting is in 1978, it was coined, but it was supposed to be for only women. And they have since realized it is more um, applying to people of color, and especially in corporate America. So mm-hmm. I think it's because it's evolved. Um, and it was more, a part, probably if you think about 1978, that was also around the time of the feminist movement as well mm. so i wouldn't be surprised if it was attached to that which oh. is you know okay, black feminist movement looked different so that might be right. why it wasn't necessarily for us anyway in our discussions <laughs> so mm. that 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 makes a lot of sense to me when i saw that that I was like okay that's okay okay it's evolved over time it didn't always show up the way that it does i'm sure even breaking it down like that probably wasn't even there as well that's fair. I'm sure we're learning more each um, generation or decade. So that that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, it does touch on, now this, I'm moving on to a Healthline article because it does touch on where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and it talks about childhood. and If your parents pressured you to do well in school, compared you to your siblings, uh, were very controlling or overprotective, emphasized your um natural intelligence or sharply criticized mistakes um i'm sure it can come from multiple things in 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 a later article well that i'll bring up we talk about just society with people of color it may Mm -hmm. not have even been your parents in that case it could have been a societal thing or it could have been a combination who knows um but i thought that was interesting to think about where it may have come from yeah um I feel like a case study. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, from the time I can remember, my family have always considered me the one with the most common sense. Everyone accepts it. Everyone knows that Patrice is ahead of her time. It's even among my peers in my family. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if that um, also kind of put me into this category as well. Love you, family, but I think this is what happened. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, I felt like with imposter syndrome, a lot of times 
it's shaped from a group perspective too in the society perspective mm. you know um in which i feel like it even you bring in code switching code switching is like a response to imposter syndrome you know you're walking into a space not feeling like you belong so you adjust how you talk mm. how you walk you know to kind of blend in I think that especially with corporate America the way that minorities have had to overcome so much and really shrink their culture to live in these spaces I think that that alone can even trigger imposter syndrome for somebody who may be very foreign to it and maybe didn't have any of those things coming up or in their circle now they're in this new space where their difference is highlighted every time they walk into a room or every time they um, they interact with other people who are majority white or, you know, of this corporate environment and a lot more comfortable or mm. they've adapted better than they have, put it that way, for example. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think... Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say Michelle touched on that because she was yeah. saying... Um, she used an example of her being at powerful tables and um, a man, she, I don't think she specified a white man, but a man next to her was very confident and comfortable in this space because he's been told he's supposed to be mm-hmm. there. Not necessarily because he's the most qualified or he's the most educated because in a lot of spaces she may have been the most qualified or the most educated, but she's been told her entire life she wasn't supposed to be there. She talked about her time at Princeton. She talked about her time at um, when she went to Harvard Law School, yeah, she talked about her mm-hmm. time at Harvard and just how all all the messaging that she got up into those moments were, and even once she got there, were you don't belong. Um, to quote the second article, um, it does say that awareness of the bias against your gender or race might lead you to work harder in order to disprove harmful stereotypes. You might believe you need to dedicate more effort than anyone else in order to be taken seriously, much less earn recognition for your efforts. It goes on to say the microaggressions and discrimination, both blatant and subtle, you experience along um, with that can reinforce the feeling that you don't belong, um, which I, I can completely see and understand and it absolutely makes sense. Um, I'll be honest, I, I don't fully connect with imposter syndrome. So that's why you're wondering why I'm asking Patrice all these questions. That's why, <laughs> um, you know, because through our research, she connected with it very strongly. And that's not to say that I don't feel biases in corporate America. Um, it's just to say that I don't quite... Um, I don't know. I don't just quite connect. My brain doesn't quite work that way. Am I an overachiever? Yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't come t- to me in this way. And there were some questions which I don't think I wrote down, but it was some questions that you can ask in one of the articles to kind of test, like you know, mm-hmm. is this you type of situation? And it just didn't connect well with me. But that doesn't, you know, that doesn't at all take away from the fact that I get why it's a thing. I get why a lot of people have it. Um, and you know, like I was saying before, it can come up in a particular time or instance. So that's not to say that I won't ever experience it. Um, but I found overall, I just found this to be very, very interesting. Um, I think this was one of the articles you brought to the table, Patrice. It was talking about how really we need to stop Mm -hmm. with the imposter syndrome (laughs) when it comes to people of color, because yeah. The article was saying that essentially it's the environment that needs the adjustment, not the 
people mm-hmm. who are experiencing this self-doubt. So what are your thoughts exactly. on that? Yeah. Um, you know, you'd be surprised the power of just being told something, told you can do this, told you belong here, mm-hmm. um, told this is a safe space. And I learned that through leadership. So many people have never been told they can just do it. You got this. You're fine. Don't worry about it. You're here for a reason. Those powerful statements, especially coming from leadership, can really make a big difference in um, someone's experience, especially when you're new or receiving a new promotion or new opportunity, et cetera. And just like in Michelle Obama's example, someone was told or conditioned that they belonged there. There was never a question about it. Mm-hmm. It was a space that they could even highlight, they showcase their entitlement even mm-hmm. to if that, you know, um, in some instances as well. I think that when you think about imposter syndrome, especially in corporate America, I can see the shift taking place where people are trying to make sure that their environments are a lot more inclusive, but I do think that there needs to be a, a heavier highlight on how mental health is impacted because you're right, it can impact your performance. You are doubting yourself and everything you do so much. That that slows you down. That makes you not go for opportunities you should have. That makes you not speak up when you should have, not ask questions when you should have. Those are a lot of things that impact your performance and your progress. And it's a conditioning. You don't want to seem like you don't know. You don't want to seem weak. You don't want to seem like the wrong hire. You don't want to seem like the wrong fit. And Shayla said it best last season. You know what I'm saying? If they don't accept you as you are, then you don't want to work there anyway. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And it was about natural hair, but I think that really applies to everything. It really does. Um, You as you are. It takes so much energy to wear these faces and these spaces and carry these mannerisms and talk a certain way to mirror the culture that really isn't you. That's not you. We didn't grow up. Like, our household don't look like that. And mm. not to say it's supposed to, because obviously it's an organization versus your home, but that's not you. But the organization is supposed to be built off the diversity of these people. That is what's supposed to make it, you know, uh, a great organization is all these people coming together with different backgrounds, different talents, different outlooks. That's how you solve a problem is having people from different backgrounds being able to come together and put their heads together. And so when you come in and you think you need to look like everybody else, hopefully they didn't hire you for that. Hopefully they hired you for being you and bringing what you brought to that interview, to that promotion, to that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yes, we do need to stop and we do need to look at the organizations that we are considering. Does it fit you? Not do you fit it? That's not the way it's supposed Mm -hmm. to work. So, um, yeah. Um, I'll take it one step further and just say before you even get to corporate just society you know what messaging are we sending to our black and brown children you know what I mean about um them making it to a position that seemingly seems impossible or impossible Mm -hmm. to to them from where they're sitting um and this is something uh Patrice kind of asked me when we were prepping for this um you know I was in leadership in corporate 
and I managed tons of different types of people. And although I didn't identify, I didn't know the term imposter syndrome at the time, she asked me had this showed up for people who I managed? And the answer is absolutely it showed up. I mean, part of my time I was dealing with new employees. So, you know, you expect a certain level of that with new employees because right. it's just like, you know, I'm new to the job, I'm new to the role, the company, right. what is this? Right, exactly. Um, but once I moved on and worked in a variety of other different areas and I dealt with people who were more tenured, it still showed up. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know if I managed these people correctly or not, now that I'm looking over this information. But for me, and there's one particular person actually that stands out to me, and he was a person of color. And just every time we sat down to do a meeting or at the organization I was at, it was called a coaching, but a very metric driven environment, you know, okay, talk to me about where you're at, you know, just talk to me about where we think you are performance wise. Mm-hmm. Even if he had a perfect score or was at a high percentage for whatever metric we were speaking about it was always like I don't know how I got that you know I don't know how I did that and I was Mm -hmm. then he was like I feel like I'm about to get fired now mind you he was never (laughs) written up never close to being (laughs) written up never never at all okay Mm -hmm. you know um and I just used to bring some logic in like okay so because he used to say stuff like well I feel like I'm the worst on the team I manage a team of people Mm -hmm. oh I was like okay well everybody can see everybody else's stats right so you see you not the worst on the team right (laughs) and and he used to be like yeah Shayla I know I know I know and I'm like okay so you know that in your head if you was gonna get fired I would have been talking to you long before this conversation this is a regular conversation there ain't no write-up here you know he'd be like yeah I know I know so logically he knew when I would ask these questions about Mm -hmm. like okay well I mean you see that you're not the worst and you know that you know the type of leader I was I wasn't playing them type of games so that clearly you would have been communicated with if you was about to be on your way up out of here you know what Mm -hmm. I mean and Mm -hmm. we would laugh it off but like it was just a thing and part of my um at this company part of our conversation was what you did well so we had to talk about what you did well we also had to talk about obviously what you wanted to work on and it was so difficult for him to tell me what he did well it started getting to the point where monthly I would have these meetings with all the people on my team it would get to the point where let's say um okay let's say I had I don't know 10 people and I scheduled them out throughout the week I would make him last in the week And I would pre-let him know, like, hey, next Friday, we're going to be having our meeting about what you did well. Please start thinking about what you did well in advance. Because, you know, of course, I'm a a busy leader. I only have a period of time. You know, we got a half hour. We're going to spend 25 minutes talking about what you did well because you refuse to tell me what it is. So I was like, okay, we're going to start adjusting that. So I definitely have seen it show up. Um... And it's, I would say it's very real. And we were in a corporate environment. And for him, he was just, for me, he was one of the most severe cases I had managed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you know, people close to me share a lot of things and stuff like that with me. And so I know that it shows up in my circle as well. So it's real. You know, it's a, it's mm-hmm. a real thing. Um, I think more, I mean, yeah, for sure. You know, it's therapy and self-awareness and things like that important. Absolutely. But I also think there's a responsibility society wise to just change that messaging slightly that you're mm-hmm. sending to young um, people about their capabilities and what they can do. 
um, just even the concept that there's a lot of successful people that don't have degree, but mm-hmm. we send this messaging that you, you really ain't going nowhere in life unless you have a degree. That's not true. Um, yeah. so things like that, that we just send to our youth and then they come up behind us with this. And I just feel like it kind of feeds the imposter syndrome in my opinion. Absolutely. And you know, I'll even do you one even crazier. Imposter syndrome kept me in a job that I did not belong in, in a toxic work environment. And I'll tell you how that happened because you like what the fuck. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I got you. I got you. Stay, stay tuned. <laughs> um, but so because it was a job that I was very new to, I, I won't say industry, but a new division that I was very new to. I was, I always felt like I was an exception and it was such a privilege for me to be there. And the person who hired me saw something in me that no one else did. And so I just wanted to do everything I could to exceed impossible expectations. And they knew that. And so they put everything possible on my plate. Mind you, I had the highest volume, the highest capacity, always over capacity compared to the rest of my team. And it was detrimental to my psyche. Like I literally went into depression because I was like, I can't leave. No one else is going to take me because I don't have a degree. I don't have X, Y, Z. I don't have all these things. And this is the exception i have to earn my spot in this job every day i should not be here and i am and it's a privilege and i'm so grateful i owe this person this company because of this opportunity that i'm getting bullshit absolutely not okay absolutely not true okay <laughs> like, I'm here to tell you today, if this is how you feel, baby, stop. Um, that is toxic for you, okay? And um, it took me years of realizing, you just shit, you can go any fucking where you want to and sure thing throughout my career. My, my lack of education has never came up. Mm. Never. And mm. I have skyrocketed since. It has mm. never came up. And people have genuinely liked me for my work ethic, for what I bring to the table. I'm very transparent in the interview process. Honey, I bring up everything, race, discrimination, all that, because I want them to decline me right now if you got a problem with it. Like, mm. <laughs> I bring it all up because I refuse to carry that. But it took those tough, tough, tough lessons. Um, and you don't never owe nobody nothing. Nothing. Okay. Um, but imposter syndrome kept me in that job way longer than I should have been. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, because part of my role was also developing people to move up mm-hmm. and I didn't, until you said this, I really didn't think about, you know, the, the people I had on my team who I thought would be great in an additional role, but they never wanted to. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I took yeah. the time to ask why. Why right. don't you want to? Um, and not that I'm trying to pressure somebody. I think, you know, you should only move up and go into these roles of further service if that's in your heart to do and you feel like that's for you. But right. I may have missed an opportunity to ask why because if your reason why is because 
you don't see and you what I see in you then we gonna have we can talk about that you know what I mean Um, that's much that's a completely different reason than hey I know that's not for me you know Um, speaking in the workplace um, the article mentioned that here are some causes of imposter syndrome in the workplace a lack of representation Mm -hmm. they talk about how senior leadership um, just often doesn't represent marginalized groups. And so people don't tend to think that they can become, you know, these leaders within the company because no one else has done so yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, prejudice attitudes. Um, 58% of black professionals report having experience of racial prejudice in the workplace. Uh, I don't know when this article was written. I'm not certain if that's currently accurate. So please don't check mm-hmm. me. If you feel like it's higher, um, <laughs> Google it. Google it. Yeah, it was in the article. I don't know when the article was written. Please. Okay, performance expectations. Um, you know, two thirds of Black professionals feel they need to work harder to advance. Um, lack of support. Um, just uh, workplace environment, and they they were talking about culture. You know, um, what is the culture built on, built on there? in your Mm -hmm. particular workplace um and then it touched on the causes of imposter syndrome in society which were pretty similar like we were talking about societal messages that people of color don't belong um you know being followed while shopping microaggressions um Mm -hmm. and people of color internalizing that um and so you know it makes sense It, it completely makes sense to me so. so I'm happy you said that because it was a topic I wanted to bring up earlier and now we moved on to something else. You remember growing up as a 90s kid and the number one joke in the black community was, I'll do that the day we get a black president. You remember that being yeah. like the punchline to everything? Yes. You know, a joke that we would never have a black president. So it was just, yeah. it was just it was a joke that, that we would never have one. Yeah, that's, that's not true. space for us. That's not, yeah. no, hell no, that would never happen. And it happened. And that was the first thing I thought about. You know, growing up with that impression, that is how we feel. Like, ain't about to put no black man in that role. Ain't about to put a black woman in that role. You kidding me? That ain't gonna happen. Like, that is is legit energy that we bring to these spaces. And it has a lot to do with representation. I remember Cedric the Entertainer, he has a stand-up where you talk about uh, barbecues at the White House, <laughs> kind oh, yeah. sauce all over the suit and everything. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's funny, but it's like that goes to show you, like that is how far that was just embedded in our culture. We accepted that, that as that was true comedy because it's true. Like, yeah, they would never, this could never, you know? And when we did it, we stop hearing those jokes. That's true. And how many of our youth or just maybe adults don't go for roles exactly just because they assume that because they are a minority or because they don't mm-hmm. have the credentials that they think they should have will won't get it. And I think that goes back to what Michelle was saying is because someone who's been conditioned to believe that your father and your grandfather and your grandfather's grandfather was greatness and they ran businesses you could be a horrible business owner it could not be within your future or your purpose but you don't ever (laughs) doubt (laughs) you don't ever doubt because you you've been come from a long line of Uh successful businessmen it doesn't ever cross your mind that you also may not 
be a successful mm-hmm. businessman. So mm-hmm. I just think, um, I really think it's, it's in a way, um, society-wise and in some places corporate-wise, we might be doing, or we're not might, we are doing ourselves a disservice because mm-hmm. you're, you don't, the people who should be applying based off of skill set and natural ability and and maybe mm-hmm. even in some case accolades aren't applying. So then yep. even if you're a company who you're open to putting people of color and women and things like that in roles, but then when the application open up and all you got to choose from is people who really not that good, but they've been told their whole life that they're great. Mm-hmm. You have to choose from what's there. So it's, it's a two sided thing here. It's, it's, you know, it works on both sides. So it's interesting to think about. That's for sure. I'm happy you said that there was a survey done. I think maybe back in 13, then again, and maybe 19, 2019, that show, I think it's a huge percentage, and I, y'all can Google this because I don't have the exact percentage, but somewhere between like 50 to 70%, I want to say more close to the 70% minorities do not apply to jobs because they don't believe that they will get them. That's it. And so now it is an initiative, especially for the tech industry, where companies are now reaching out to minorities specifically and trying to pull them in because you're right, the candidate pool does all look one way. And so many companies are taking on this initiative to try to pull people in so that way they are able to let them know you belong here. You need to be here too, which is, you're correct. So many people apply because they're entitled to that space or they've been told that this is where they belong. They've never had a doubt doubt that even for a second. And then there are others who have been told their whole life, no. And it goes right back even down to negotiating an offer. So many minorities yeah, do not negotiate their offers at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I've seen companies also say, we don't want the person who's more comfortable negotiating to get the higher pay because that perpetuates the wage gap. So instead, what we're going to do is blank slate. You come in at this level, this is what you get. So everybody knows each other's comp. <laughs> everybody knows what you're making because this is what your level is. And when you promote, this is what it will be. I've seen companies also take that approach for that exact reason because it's, it's get, don't get me wrong, there are authentic wage gaps out there. Um, obviously, we see the stats, but this is efforts trying to eliminate it because it is identified that non-minorities will negotiate and minorities will not. They will not come back. And they will also, because you don't know the market, you don't even know what to ask for. You can be yeah. lowballing the fuck out your talent <laughs> or the market. And you won't even know it because you said that the company is going to give you what's best for you. And, and it's like, oh, imposter <laughs> syndrome mindset, yep. you're honored to even be there and to even be accepting yep. the position, to even be considered for the position. Exactly. So you don't feel comfortable asking for more, even if in your head you was really hoping it was more. You exactly. know, the space isn't there where you feel comfortable um, doing that. I mm-hmm. recently assisted someone. Um, they asked for my assistance in asking for a higher wage when they got hired, right? And it was like, um, they want me to like write up something about why I think I should get this increase. Mm. And this person was like, well, first of all, this is my first time asking for some other than what the companies offer me. This is a, a black woman who I'm speaking about. Mm-hmm. And actually, and then it turned around and happened to me as well for a black man. But um, 
And they was like, yeah, I need your help, you know, typing this up and really articulating why I feel I need more because I think it was, it was brave to ask. And then you just think they're going to say yes or no. And then, you know, in your head, you'd have already decided what you're going to say if they say yes or no, but she wasn't prepared to write it up, you know, and I'm all about being somebody's cheerleader, honey. I said, whoop, I'm going to pull this out, pull out the laptop. We're going to, we're going to talk about your skill set. She ain't lying. She still write my shit up. And I'd be like, you think I did that? You sure? That's me you talking about, I'll make you sound real good on that. And, you know, people be having, sending me their resumes and stuff. I'll be like, let's talk about it. Oh, okay, girl. So you led, you know, and I mean, you know, and it, in some ways it's an embellishment, but in a lot of ways it ain't because that's, that's right. how you, that's really how I, you know, perceive individuals. So anyway, the person ended up getting an increase, not the increase we were asking for, but I think that's part of negotiations. Um, right. So you know, I encourage people to be brave and asking because the worst they could tell you is no. Nine times out of 10, they're not taking the offer away. They're just going to say, yes, oh, yeah. we can accommodate that increase or no, we can't accommodate the increase. And if they say no, you know, in our head, I think most of us, we still taking it. You know what I'm saying? It's a good, it's a good company to work for. I can make that work. We'll still get paid. You know what I'm saying? It's cool. You know what I'm saying? It's fine. Now, you know, but the worst they can say is no. And like, is that really that bad? No, right. that's not. No, isn't that bad. No, it's not. It's better to ask. It's way better to ask and always know what the growth opportunities look like too. When you're stepping into a new role, know when you're going to get your next increase. That's, That's important. real. That is a question I tell people to ask. Like if mm-hmm. they're, especially if they're not going to accommodate an increase, yeah. let's talk about when the next review yearly, bi- year, exactly. whatever, however often it is for that company what and that what your like? opportunities look like then because they need to know that that's something that's of right. importance to you that you get paid what you're worth exactly I have seen companies that they only promote based off open opportunities and I'm like what so you mean tell me this six year vet of a recruiter is going to make the same thing as a two year recruiter or this seven year accountant is gonna make the same as a three. Obviously there's like 2% merit increases along the way. And, but we know what that looks like. That's like a penny. You throwing 25 cents in somebody's paycheck. Okay, like let's be real. Um, And so it's like, what? Why why do they need to leave their job when they have adapt, they've grown this experience. And I'm like, that's how you lose people. People have Mm -hmm. to be able to continue to grow in their role even when they're not ready to leave it yet. You know what I mean? especially financially. And if I'm growing with experience with you, I'm mastering your process. I'm becoming an expert. You know what I mean? I can train your people now. I can have people shadow me now. I can do more than just one job. I'm helping develop your team. And it looks good when you bring in new people and you got people who are seasoned on the team from a, from a marketing perspective because that's the first thing new people ask is, how long have you been with the company? Do you like it? Why do you stay? They want to ask the vets. Mm. They want to have a conversation with them. So they're helping you out by staying because it shows that whatever y'all doing is keeping somebody happy. So pay your people. (laughs) Like, pay them. Um, That's real. But, I mean, we can go all day about, you know, uh, comp structures and everything. But you'd be surprised how imposter syndrome can get in your own way in terms of development and not asking for it, not going for it. Even if it is that new role, why aren't you applying? 
Why aren't you going yeah. after that? And I think also keeping a pace or being aware, there were times in corporate where I just, I put my head down and I did my mm-hmm. best and I did my thing and I knew exactly mm-hmm. what I needed to do to show up. But I wasn't aware of what other peers were doing. And when I finally looked up, and this took me a long time, but when I finally looked up, I realized I was doing exceptionally better. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So, like, Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't know your worth. It could be because of imposter syndrome. But then another part could be you don't know because you don't know what your peers are doing. You don't really know. I didn't know how my peers were leading their teams to really. So sometimes it's good to just sit down and ask a few questions and check out. Because when I finally, like, took my head up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, oh, they're not doing. Oh, I'm. Oh, I thought I thought everybody was doing that, right? I was coming from like, a, oh, I thought, er- oh, I thought everybody was leading their teams like that. No, baby, everybody's not yeah. leading their team. Mm-hmm. Everybody's not leading uh. their teams like that. Um, so sometimes is you don't know where you are, e- even if you're not in an imposter syndrome moment, um, or that's not your way of thinking. You, it's hard for you to know where you are in comparison to others when you talk about your worth and what you bring to the table when, when you don't know what other people are bringing to the table. So right. not that I think that should be a, a, your main priority, but I think it's just something to think about and consider. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't. You know, oh, I was going to move on to coping and like so the articles was talking about things that you can do to kind of overcome imposter syndrome. Okay, good, because I wanted to move into that too. Okay, cool. Oh, cool, okay. Cool. <laughs> we're on the same page, girl. Um, <laughs> so they were talking about um, sharing your feelings, um, focusing on others, trying to help others in the same situation as you. That's interesting because, um, and I can't even remember specifically what the problem was I was struggling with, but my therapist, if you, if you haven't heard me and Patrice, we have therapists, black therapists. And, um, I don't remember what it was that I was coming to her with. And she was like, well, what would you tell someone who had came to you with this issue? Because I mentor people come to me for, for problems and things like that. It's a normal role for me in my life. So she kind of took me out of it and put, you know, someone else, um, in it. So I think that's, you know, it did help me in that particular case. So maybe that's something that, you know, this article knew or was aware of. So I thought that was interesting that they had her same advice. Um, assess your abilities. That could be hard if you're, if your your abilities are skewed, but I would say, I'm just adding my own advice here. I'm not the article, but I would say, have a friend or a family member or someone who you know can give you a more honest take on your abilities, mm-hmm. help you assess your abilities. Because if it's just you, you may always think you fall short. Um, are your thoughts rational? Was something yeah. else that they wanted you to ask? Like, is that realistic? So like when I was talking about the employee that I was coaching, like, oh, I'm the worst on the team. Like, okay, but we can see that you're not the worst on the team though. So, you know, is that right? You know, are you Numbers being rational? Don't lie. With your thoughts? You know. Um, right. Um, uh, it talked about stop fighting your feelings. Now, I don't know when it says share your feelings, I'm assuming it's talking about in the workplace being a little more open and honest, I assume is what they're referring to. So those were just a couple things it touched on. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Patrice? I was going to take it a little bit deeper. Um, yeah. So uh, Shayla sent me this um, master class by Michael Beckwith a couple months back that absolutely changed my life. Um, it is called True 
manifestation, true manifesting from the soul. And I know people throw the term manifesting around a lot, especially on social media, but when you dive into it, it is truly very powerful. Um, Not to say those who throw it around don't mean it, but I do think there is a lot that isn't dived into at a very, very in-depth level. And that's why so many people are just like, okay, you manifest in, like mock it. You know what I mean? Um, But the power of self-talk is out this world. Um, And I was telling um, my little sister this just the other day. So there's a portion in this masterclass. It's actually the second um, stage of uh, as a manifester where life is happening by you. And he kind of dives into how when you realize how the laws of the universe and about affirmations and declarations and decrees and the right use of the imagination and how to take the the imaginable realm back to imagine a different type of life and how it sets you up for success. And when I say that, I mean, okay, so you want to be in that role. What does somebody in that role think? What does somebody in that role know? What does somebody in that role do? And you're imagining these things. Put yourself in those shoes and do them. You get what I mean? And um, he talks about how when you start to exercise your language and your intentionality and use these skills, it's a greater sense of belief that life is for you and not against you. And therefore, you are literally creating your life. And it is you're more of a vessel at that point. And to me, that was so powerful. Think about all the things you worry about. Not good enough. You know, I'm too dark. I talk way too much slang. I talk way too much shit. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm talking to myself, by the way, in case y'all don't know. <laughs> These are my thoughts back then. You know, um, how can I keep my mouth shut and stop talking so much shit? <laughs> I was using my problem. Um, I'm way too blunt. I'm way too direct. Um, all these things that I would try to shrink about myself to blend in and play the role. And when I truly understood the power of who I am and me being who I am right here, right now, in this moment, things completely turned around. So yes, I still struggle with imposter syndrome, but it's not nearly as bad as what it used to be. Um, And there's a lot of correction that happens internally for me as well. And I understand how me telling myself I can't do something speaks that to truth and not exactly what will happen. If you believe you will not do it, baby, you will not do it. (laughs) Like that. Period. The end. If you believe you can't do it, you won't do it. So it's so important for you to honor your power, honor your greatness, and take those steps with pride, confidence, and own your power. There is a reason why you're where you're at right now, right in this very moment. So that's my um, uh, turn around to that. That is my fix and my solve. I know it's very spiritual, but that's for our spiritual audience <laughs> because I do think that is what helped me get through it and as y'all can see I applied to all of them uh, that little list Shayla threw at us earlier so 
<laughs> yes, and that what I sent Patrice was um a Mind Valley masterclass. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, to be specific. So if I don't know if anyone is familiar with Mind Valley, but they have a lot of great free masterclasses. Um, and um I agree with everything you said, and I think even more importantly, yeah, for sure, what you think about you, you know, when you talk about manifesting is essentially what happens, but also I think on an unconscious level, I think we do it all the time, we don't even realize it, we pick Mm -hmm. up on how other people feel about themselves vibrationally, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So like when you know you meant to be here, other people pick up on that. And sometimes yes. when you really know you're supposed to be there, other people become intimidated by that. But yeah. it's it, people can pick up on you feeling like you're not worthy. People can pick up on you feeling mm-hmm. like you don't belong here or that you don't deserve it. And, and mm. of course, you know, some people, depending on, um, you know, how they view life, could take advantage of that in some spaces. But even if someone doesn't take advantage of it, it just it becomes a... If you don't know, if you don't feel like you're worthy, then it's going to, in some cases, be hard for other people to feel like you're worthy. Absolutely. So I think yeah. that's something else to think about, the the energy that you're sending off about how you feel about you. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. I love so that. something I think, to think about. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, oh I was just saying something to think about. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we can actually close it right there because that is, ma'am, Okay right there and I want <laughs> I want the audience to think about these worries and these concerns you have about these goals you have and think about how much energy you're putting into them and where that energy could be going into the person you want to be and how that projecting that energy in the wrong place how that can impact your path to getting to where you want to be and how other people see it Michelle Obama mentioned The other guy behaved as if he belonged there because he believed it. She even saw what he believed. So Mm -hmm. that's indication right there. You know what I'm saying? Um, Especially minorities. Honey, we are always at the right place at the right time. Don't ever doubt that shit, okay? (laughs) Um, You always are, you always have your place in the space. Don't ever make don't ever let anyone make you feel any different, like you don't belong somewhere, especially based off something as small as credentials. Because we all know a college grad who don't act like no damn college grad. That is very low IQ, okay? So <laughs> we all know one or two. We all know plenty of people who don't have degrees. And you would think they had like four, just based off how smart they are, how invested they are into whatever it is that they're doing. So think about that, okay? Um, Take care of yourselves. Love on your loved ones, as I always say. Thank you for clicking on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, share, continue the conversations with your friends and your circle and who else you like to manifest and discuss your goals with. This is a very powerful conversation. I love this. So keep it going, y'all. Bye.